This Spotlight episode of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by DigiCert. DigiCert is the world's premier high-assurance digital certificate provider. DigiCert simplifies SSL, TLS, and PKI and provides identity, authentication, and encryption solutions for the web and the Internet of Things. Check them out at digicert.com. Welcome to the Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger Podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this Spotlight podcast, we're back at Hacker Summer Camp in Las Vegas this week, also known as the Black Hat, B-Sides, and DEF CON conferences, which bring tens of thousands of the world's top security experts to the Las Vegas Strip. The three conferences collectively feature hundreds of presentations of security vulnerabilities, exploits, and attacks on all manner of devices, from airplanes to vacuuming robots. But if you look behind many of the security demonstrations, a common theme emerges, poor security design and implementation centered on a trifecta of issues, authentication, encryption, and code integrity. Our guest this week, Dan Timpson, sees his firsthand as the Chief Technology Officer at DigiCert, one of the world's largest certificate authorities. In this conversation with the Security Ledger, Dan and I dig into some of the hot talks at this year's show and talk about the underlying security issues that animate them, including poor implementations of PKI technologies and, increasingly, threat modeling that is inadequate to the new context of the Internet of Things. To start off, Dan and I talk about the shifting conversation around PKI KI and authentication that's come with the Internet of Things, and how events like the Edward Snowden leak of sensitive CIA data changed the conversation about protecting sensitive data and authenticating transactions. So Dan, tell us a little bit about DigiCert for listeners who aren't familiar with the company and also about what you do as CTO. So DigiCert is the leading provider of uh, TLS uh, certificate management solutions really in the world. We've got uh, a global presence and, and customers all over the world. And we build software not only for enterprises and IoT makers and, and everything in between. And uh, slowly over time, we've gone from being just a PKI provider to really a security software company advising folks on all things PKI. So uh, we're talking uh, here at the Black Hat Briefings in Las Vegas. This is uh, obviously one of the big security shows of the year. I mean, one of the things that strikes me, and, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, is just how central cybersecurity and cybersecurity conversations have become to the national conversation, right? I mean, that it's stuff that you're reading about really in the headlines of your paper on, a, on an almost daily basis. And as you know, that wasn't always the case. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it's it's hard to believe that just five, six years ago, we had the Snowden revelations and uh, there was quite a, a response from the general public and companies and, and private organizations and everything in between about what to do and how to protect their data and, uh, and not have Big Brother kind of, you know, looking inside. Um, as business owners, uh, it's the same thing. We obviously want to keep bad actors out. And the landscape has changed quite a bit. But, you know, when we rewind five years ago, we were mainly focused on web PKI and protecting websites. And fast forward, and we've seen uh, some pretty interesting movements within organizations to become more agile, to deploy their software, you know, things like DevOps and the proliferation of cloud services, but also just this massive um, IoT thing and the number of devices that are there that need to be protected uh, and all the endpoints in between. So uh, what was a conversation maybe about just uh, authentication on the web is now uh, accelerated uh, to all kinds of avenues uh, in the ecosystem. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you that you mentioned Snowden as what sort of woke people up to the risks, I guess, of surveillance. I guess that was that was sort of the the gist of of the Snowden revelations, right? Was that governments or or really anybody might be listening in on a, a wide range of, you know, sensitive communications or, or interactions that you're doing online. So from from a, from the perspective of a company like DigiCert, I guess that, that must have been a game changer. It really was. You know, what it did is it changed the conversation about how do we protect our assets uh, inside and outside. So today's modern moniker for this is zero trust environments inside uh, enterprises. And it was an incredible draw of, you know, for business uh, to us here at Digicert because people became a lot more curious about how can I put rock solid encryption and authentication in place to um, you know, keep all these assets safe. And then the other kind of sub theme was, who am I talking to? I know you because I've met you in person, but for someone else, if I'm exchanging an email or consuming a service, how do I know I've got the real person or the real service uh, that I'm interacting with. And this is another kind of sub-theme of, of PKI and what we, we benefit from, um, from using things like um, code signing or uh, SMIME certificates and things like that. So uh, you're on your way to winning uh, Black Hat Bingo because you said the uh, key phrase, which is zero trust networks. Um, <laughs> for <laughs> So for, for folks who are going to be hearing a lot of that, I'm guessing if they're going to Black Hat or for folks who are listening who aren't going to Black Hat, but have maybe heard that term slung around, what, what does that mean and what does it mean to you and, and to a company like DigiCert? How does it translate practically for organizations? Well, I think the way it translates from my view practically from a DigiCert standpoint is we care about the security posture of endpoints and services and uh, things inside the, the enterprise. Do you, you know, do we as, uh, you know, business people have the tools to propagate in an automated way? So there's an element of zero trust, which means I can be hands off. The systems are either, you know, self-healing or they are self-configuring. Uh, and there's um, there's not a, a lot of, of manual intervention to bring about a strong security posture. So at DigiCert, you know, what are the ways we can automate certificate enrollment uh, for whatever the case might be, an IoT device or a cloud service? At Black Hat, uh, the keynote, you know, Daisavi, his whole focus was really on how security teams need to evolve to to really play in this world that's that's dominated by agile development, DevOps, and you know, cloud-based applications. Obviously, crypto and 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 the types of technologies that that DigiCert offers is part of that. I mean, how do you? As you guys work with development shops and development teams, kind of every company is sort of a software company at this point. Right. How does that change just in the way that applications are being developed and designed? Um, how, how do you see that affecting the, the way you guys engage with customers? Yeah, it's a great question. The mantra here at DigiCert is we, we like to be in the workflow that the enterprise is already invested in. I think this is a key point. So we can talk orchestration layers like salt for instance, or, you know, Chef or Puppet. And these are the things that mm-hmm. do configuration and lend themselves to, you know, building a, a zero trust kind of environment. So we want to be in that workflow. So we've tried to embrace open standards and, and be part of this ecosystem. Uh, it doesn't work very well if you try and 
uh, break from that and not use something that already has some uh, some equity, from, at least from a mind share inside the enterprise. I think the other metaphor that's kind of good along these lines is, uh, you know, managing cattle versus pets. You know, your pets require special care and, uh, you know, maybe special food and uh, a lot of hands-on, whereas when you're managing cattle, you can kind of do those and manage the cattle in mass. So what we want to see is in the ecosystem ways to um, automate the, uh, at least for us, certificate enrollments uh, and configuration that goes along with those in a streamlined way that uh, will be secure. So that's the way we kind of look at it from a DevOps movement. We play in the DevOps space and we work with these open standards so that um, our services and our REST APIs can plug in and support what uh, the DevOps uh, movement is, is trying to accomplish there. And you hit the other point, which was, you know, the security teams maybe being at odds with um, some of the IT teams or the application owners. And that's the other sub point is just breaking down. It's really a culture. And so we can add to that a security culture as well. We want to automate the security culture into those work streams. You're listening to a spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by DigiCert. DigiCert is the world's premier high assurance digital certificate provider. DigiCert simplifies SSL, TLS, and PKI and provides identity, authentication, and encryption solutions for the web and the Internet of Things. Check them out at digicert.com. I feel like ten years ago or or so that that PKI was kind of the it was like a, a trip to the to the sausage factory. Like you you didn't really want to look too closely at at how companies were doing their PKI, and there were a lot of self signed certificates and just kind of loose practice. You know, yes, we're using uh, I- I- encryption, but but you know, don't don't look under the hood too closely at, at how we're doing it. Right? Do you feel like that's that's changing, the practices are changing, the companies are, you know, adhering to best practices, um, you know, letting go of, uh, you know, some of the sloppiness that uh, maybe was common uh, 10 years back? I'm, I'm going to say no. There's still so much work to be done. <laughs> we, we have uh, a lot of customers come cry on our shoulder, and we um, are advising them on things like hashing algorithms and uh, whether or not RSA is safe or not. And um, kind of what the good hygiene is for for implementing crypto. We've seen a lot of a lot of companies do it the wrong way, and so I think uh, from an evangelist standpoint, you know, we're aggressively telling the story about what to do to become more more agile with crypto, and to uh, really embrace these best practices. And at the same time, I'm guessing you're dealing you're dealing with a lot of smaller companies and also companies that, especially in this kind of era of the Internet of Things, you know, are, are maybe new to this whole uh, software devi- software driven device deployment management game. But you know, maybe they've been making a, a physical thing, but now they've got a physical thing that that has an operating system on it and and is doing you know communications to and from you know the internet over the long term. Uh, so, so my guess is a lot of companies coming to your doorstep who maybe aren't new to the products world, but are definitely new to this software-driven products world. Yeah, it's it's true, um, and there's a lot of questions surrounding. Well, how big of a key do I need? You know, is it a toy or is it an enterprise device? Right. And um, how do I do this at scale? How can I get all my devices enrolled in the? Is it after the manufacturing process? During you know, as part of like um you know, registration of the device, for example. And this is where, you know, we spent a good deal of our time building uh, solutions and advising them on 
on good enrollment protocols and uh, doing information to our API. The other thing I would say is secure storage and threat modeling for device makers is a thing. Um, and it's starting to get a little bit better, but there's choose your industry in your vertical. And chances are someone was not really paying attention to the crypto. And it's, it's a harder problem because it's, it's a longer device um, life cycle, right? You got a couple of years to build it in, design it in. And so, you know, there's definitely some problems there with not thinking in advance about uh, where crypto is being used. And then you've got to maintain it over the long term. And some of these devices might have decades of, of uh, useful life, right? Right. And that's the problem with IoT is we, we want to set a device out there and have it give us value for, you know, years and uh, be a protective device and not get exploited and, uh, you know, heaven forbid, be involved in some kind of distributed denial of service or botnet or something like that. Right. But that requires thinking ahead. <laughs> exactly. I mean, one of the things I think we see a lot of examples of just out there, you know, as a journalist writing about, you know, IoT, you know, hacks or vulnerabilities or attacks, um, God forbid, is that a lot of the decisions that are made about security design and implementation are, are very short-sighted, you know, and I think one of the, there, there's a talk actually at Black Hat on Thursday of this week, moving from hacking IoT gadgets to breaking into one of Europe's highest hotel suites. Michael Hubler, I think is one of the researchers who's doing that, where they basically talk about building on work that they did, um, developing tools and methods to hack Bluetooth low energy implementations in, in very low value endpoints like uh, children's toys. Right. Which actually aren't necessarily low value, depending on who's using them. And then really being able to sort of reapply the same techniques and tools to hack into a, a hotel door entry system um, and the uh, AES cryptography that, that's used by it. Yeah. And it strikes me that we see variations of that over and over again, which is, you know, just kind of reusing technologies and approaches regardless of the sort of use case or the value of the of the platform itself. And usually failing on the side of it being not secure enough rather than too secure, right? They're not over-designing security. They're kind of under-designing. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing that strikes me about this one is um, really, you know, what what is secure today uh, may not be secure tomorrow. And we talk more about you know what that means from a crypto agility standpoint, um, but it means, like you said, that we have to prepare in advance. Getting back to the security profile and, and overall security posture on the device, what we want to see is that threat modeling has been done and that there's been adequate protections to store private keys. So the analogy I could use is, well, if you leave your car keys on your desk, I could come and swipe them off and take your car for a spin. And this is essentially what's happened here is that it's not that the uh, encryption uh, would be broken, at least not yet, until the arrival of uh, you know, quantum computers, which still remains to be seen. It's stealing that key and using it. You know, these are what these creative hackers at Black Hat have done is being able to decrypt the TLS traffic uh, because they got a handle on that key. So one sub point is that we haven't seen practical breaks of you know, currently implemented you know, crypto standards uh, you know, like RSA. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the security researchers have forecasted that that will come eventually with the, you know more compute. But for the time being, crypto is still safe. But the bigger threat is, what have I done with the device? Do I have a way to secure the device? Have I done threat modeling and abuse cases to show that we've you know done a good job to make it tamper-proof? And that's something that we see over and over again as we're advising IoT capabilities and whatnot. The other thing is that What's the mitigation? So if that device was coming back to the hotel key card, 
if I had some mitigations to notice that, okay, this key has been used in a bad way, can I go ahead and revoke the keys? And this is something that uh, PKI is, is good at providing is a way to revoke and potentially um, rotate that key when a device has been compromised and get it back into good working order, assuming that you know the key storage and everything else is good. It's an important distinction, actually, because often, you know, in the sort of hyperbole of events like Black Hat or DEF CON, you hear like, oh, they broke the cryptography on whatever. And it's good to point out, well, that's almost certainly not true. But what they did was break the implementation of the cryptography and and find a way to defeat it um, through other means. Right. You know, you mentioned quantum cryptography as well. That that's a topic that comes up often, not so much in in the context of of current threats, but more future threats. Which is, with the development of of um, quantum computers, will uh, you know encryption algorithms that we use and rely on today and consider safe suddenly be vulnerable to being broken? And this speaks a little bit to the sort of designing for the future, right? Um, and and yeah. and thinking ahead to what to what might be coming five or 10 years down the road. What is the advice that you give to companies about that and, and how they can prepare for that, I think, what most people consider an eventuality? I think this is one of the, the main points of crypto agility is you want to have an inventory of what you're using, crypto standards, where they're implemented, kind of what the shelf life of those crypto standards are, as well as a plan to move. And, you know, that's kind of inherent in the whole agile mindset is can we design our services in a way where we can swap these out? Uh, we know that post-quantum crypto curves, for example, are, are going through some rigor uh, right now. And uh, NIST has been evaluating those and uh, they should be good. But the bigger question is, can the corporation enterprise move to those and uh, adopt those without significant rework to their applications and services. What we're starting to see, and we, I can attribute this to David Motti, who's the Gartner analyst that talks about crypto center of excellence, is you're starting to see companies now dedicate some people and some thought leadership to you know, inside the enterprise of these specific mm-hmm. things. So separate from applications and separate from security, um, actually having someone or a team uh, be evaluating where's crypto being used and what's the plan uh, to move off of it. These could be root stores, um, uh, you know, general, you know, certificates across the board, you know, anywhere where there's some crypto uh, code signing, um, this would fall kind of underneath that that center of excellence. Is, Is this kind of about breaking down crypto silos within organizations? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's um, it's about communicating, identifying, uh, you know, where everything's being used, and then, uh, you know, having a good plan to you know, bring the whole corporation up to speed on on these things. I mean, one of the things that we we talk about a lot um, in in the context of Internet of Things security is sort of cyber physical risk, and it it strikes me that first of all, cyber physical risk is really growing, and that one of the dangers um, we see with IoT is this sort of spoofed identity. You know, you know, I know at this year's Black Hat, there's a discussion of vulnerabilities in the global navigation satellite system infrastructure, talking about vulnerability of that to spoofing and the lack of uh, strong authentication within that system. How do we shore up some of these cyber physical systems for, you know, the world that we live in where there are sophisticated actors who are going to be actually targeting these systems? Yeah, it's such a great question and something that we feel is so relevant with PKI. I mean, PKI is the solution when we hear about these 
spoofing attacks. And the trifecta, we have authentication, we have encryption, and we've talked a little bit about code signing. This is where the you know the systems, if they have signed code, you can have some certainty that they're from a reputable source. And the, the communication is the same thing. There's an element of integrity checks in those communications. How do you know if a, if a picture or communication is spoofed? Well, the answer is that uh, PKI and the elements of PKI can give you that cryptographic attestation to say, yes, this is a good communication, or rather, you know, in the case of the spoofing, hey, this message doesn't line up and is not cryptographically checking out. So this trifecta of encryption, authentication, and integrity, you know, through code signing is really the core and, and why we feel like PKI is a good solution for the Internet of Things and uh, really that ecosystem as a whole. How do we deal with the scale of this, right? Because uh, back in the day, really PKI was, you know, you were using it with your enterprise applications, high-value enterprise applications. These days, it's both consumer and enterprise. And of course, the number of endpoints is, is order of magnitude larger with, with the Internet of Things and, and growing, right? So, right. so much more PKI, so many more certificates, so much more churn. What's the um, what's the short answer or the the clever answer maybe on uh, on how we scale this uh, in a way that's manageable for companies where they where they're not having to break the bank to uh, stay on top of all this activity? The short answer: uh, automation and good uh, open standards and, and protocols for enrollment. And so, if SCEP is out there. It's the Simple Certificate Enrollment Protocol, or there's the newer one that Cisco's champion, which is Enrollment Over Secure Transport. We're starting to see these take hold from a device standpoint. The good news there is that because of how devices can register, um, it can be automated and there can be checks put in place to ensure that that whole process happens uh, in a secure way. And really, so, it, you know, the automation is the chief concern. There's a life cycle to all of this. So whether a device is being registered and has a shelf life of a few years, or there is a, uh, you know, from a DevOps thread, um, environments are being recreated with containers and with, with endpoints all the time. So the notion of patching is kind of gone. And so uh, short-lived certificates and managing these things through a life cycle is really how this is going to be done and how it is being done, actually. Okay, you mentioned the Crypto Center of Excellence. For listeners who are intrigued by that idea, um, and obviously who almost certainly have PKI deployments within their organization, uh, maybe many of them, um, what's the road to the Crypto Center of Excellence and wh where does it start and, um, and how can you get on that road? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, it's developing some awareness that PKI is embedded. Uh, just like you said, most companies are really software shops. And inherent in software is the expectation from users that it should be secure. And so if we follow that line of thinking, there's already a job to be done to say, how are we doing it? And so whether it's with your security team or your CISO or the application developers themselves, my recommendation is to put together some kind of cross-functional team where the application owners and others can sit and make a plan to make these things better. Um, I, I'm a big fan of grassroots kinds of efforts, I think, where the, the natural inclination or whatever the job is, if it's you know, a developer or IT person or security person, um, have these things uh, kind of coincide with, with their daily work. If they're responsible for security, uh, you know, making crypto a new conversation within that um, as far as just taking an inventory. You know, what do we have? Where's it being used? And is this something where you're going to need to make a hire or is there someone within your organization already who can um, be the uh, master of ceremonies, as it were, for the, for the Crypto Center of Excellence? Yeah, I think it could be either way. You know, somebody 
has the desire to learn and, you know, this is interesting subject matter, I think it can be folded into some, you know, existing team. We do see, you're starting to see discrete descriptions for people like this. You know, we want crypto experts that can advise on threat modeling or the use of crypto within an org. Some of us here at DigiCert, uh, people that have uh, PhDs in post-quantum crypto or, uh, you know, overall security posture and threat modeling and so on. But no PhD required? No, yeah, no PhD required. I think um, it's uh, it's more <laughs> of a you know good, maybe good project management and just awareness you know building that. Final question: If people want to find Digicert at Black Hat, uh, where can they find Digicert? Uh, we will have a presence, I think, in the main exhibitor hall, and uh, so yeah, feel free to drop by and, and say hi. Dan Timson, CTO of Digicert, thanks so much for coming back on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Paul. Dan Timpson is the Chief Technology Officer at DigiCert. You've been listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by DigiCert. DigiCert is the world's premier high-assurance digital certificate provider. DigiCert simplifies SSL, TLS, and PKI and provides identity, authentication, and encryption solutions for the web and the Internet of Things. Check them out at digicert.com. 